where we tap into our ancestral and indigenous knowledge that is woven in our bones, remembering how we are all indigenous of this earth. By restoring these cultural ways and returning to a sense of belonging as part of the earth and the animals and each other, we remember ourselves home. Welcome to episode two of Becoming Earthwise. For anyone who has spent any time in wilderness, knows the land, trees, animals, the rivers, they are speaking with each other. They're alive. And when you enter the forest in a sacred way, in a way you are receptive, you gain entrance to these conversations. When you spend enough time alone in the silence of that wild places, it becomes known you have entered a holy place, a place where there is this long, unbroken line of ancestry of the land and the trees, the waters, the animals. As I sit at the foot of an 800-year-old tree, and I wonder who were its mother and father, who were its grandparents, who here amongst the forest floor may be its children. I hear a twig snap, and I see elk move into the giant sword ferns that's following the animal trail that led me into the forest. And I wonder if all the animals of elk and deer, fox and bear that have followed that trail. And I'm curious, how long does the that ancestral line of elk go back? How many hundreds or thousands of years of an unbroken line of all elk who have come before her? In the vine maple beside me, the Pacific wren sings its long, beautiful song. Again, I wonder of the ancestry of vine maple and Pacific wren. Where am I within the timeline of this great unbroken line of living things? And I know I'm walking. I'm walking on ancient ground of an intact people that have lived in the remembrance of their story and dutifully and beautifully carry on the wisdom woven within them, passed on to the dreaming earth for thousands of years. By people, I mean, of course, the trees, the elk, the moss, the river, crow, mountain, clouds, rivers. See, indigenous cultures around the world who have long lived close to the earth, as who have lived as part of the land, they have long considered humans, the two-legged, to be the younger relatives of the rest of creation. That we are the younger relatives of the rest of creation. Because if you just think about it, Right? We can see how the two-legged didn't sprout from the earth's dreaming until after all the circumstances were right for us to be here. That we sprouted from the earth's dreaming after the plants and waters, the animals, the sun and moon had found their place, their rhythm, their sense of village. The two-legged came long after when all the circumstances were just right for them to be dreamt out of the earth and as a part of the land 
as an extension of the earth and the rest of creation. So it's two-legged. And through many indigenous cultures, we have long been considered the younger relatives. And so there has long been a sense of respect and humility, kind of a relationship like being with a revered elder when we're out there amongst the wild. Somewhere along the line, however, as two-legged got amnesia, or a two-legged arrived from another place not of this earth's dreaming, and somehow we lost the remembrance of how we are the younger relatives that were merely a strand in the web of life and not the superiors. See, humans, you can see, are the only species on the planet that views themselves as being separate from the rest of creation, who views themselves as separate from each other, from the waters, from elk, from crow, from the grass that grows on the lawns of their homes or separate from the dreamings of the house sparrows who, whose nest in their alt rafters. See, it's really only within the last hundred years where humans have lost their relationship with how the land and nature provides everything we use to survive and live. Humans now view things that they use as separate from nature, right? Forgetting that our laptops, our cars, our phones, our refrigerators, our clothing, they all come from nature. Everything you own originally came from some raw, organic piece of the earth. And it was merely manipulated into the form and function that we now use them for. Electricity is an element of nature. It's part of the earth and humans have learned to harness and use it, but we forget it is still part of the earth. See, what we're speaking into here is an important question, which is, how can us two-legged restore our memory so we may once again live in a humble way with the rest of nature as the younger relatives and hence, be in an honored relationship with the rest of creation. You can see how so many in today's modern world have this sense of being orphaned from some unknown source or forgotten family. There's a common sense of having forgotten something, and so many people are searching, searching for something that will make them feel whole, never quite satisfied. And you may already be recognizing how the searching, how we've long been orphaned from the sacred relatives of the earth. And we've been orphaned from the earth's dreaming and what we're now doing is remembering ourselves home. See, our sense of isolation, our aloneness is much like how you can hold an elephant in place by tying a rope to this tiny stake. Now the elephant can easily pull that stake out, but in its youth, it was conditioned that the stake was stronger than the elephant, and so they no longer try. See, that's the power of belief. See, we've been conditioned to think of ourselves as separate and alone, this rugged individualism, all while the rest of nature is excitedly waiting to welcome us home, for we have never stopped being a part of nature. We have never stopped 
being a part of nature, we have merely forgotten our greater belonging. So how do we remember? How do we gain access to these endangered memories and intuitive knowledge yet woven in our bone memory? How do we, in our modern world, whether you live close to nature or in a big city, live as part of nature instead of separate from it? See, this journey of remembering ourselves home is of restoring a more indigenous psychology, which really is merely an earth psychology. We're entering the psychology of the earth, the mind of the earth, the dreaming of the earth. It's a journey of decolonizing our minds and re-indigenizing our hearts, for we are all indigenous of earth. Our bodies are of the, the waters of this earth. Our flesh is of the grasses, of the animals, which are of the sky and other plants. We are all of the earth. And so we all have access to this earth psychology. It's woven inside our bones. And so what this is not, this is not a journey of mimicking indigenous culture, for that's cultural appropriation. That's not what we want to do. As many of my teachers have shared, Seek what the ancients sought, but don't copy our culture. Seek what we have sought, but don't copy our culture. This is a very important distinction many in our modern world forget. See, we learn by seeing, right? We're seeing what's modeled to us, and then we copy that and try to bring it into our own. But to decolonize our minds is to go beyond merely going through the motions of a form of what we see and we want to enter into a deeper psychology. Seek what we sought. But what do the indigenous seek? Relationship. Relationship with all that sustains and allows you to live and have the quality of life offered you. It's relationship with the waters of the world, honoring water as the sacred life source for all the world. Relationship with the animals, birds, and insects, and all of creation, honoring how each one is playing a part for the survival of the greater whole. Relationship with each other. To be in relationship with the animals that you're in contact with, the robin that greets your front yard in the morning, pulling out the worms. Relationship with the trees you see as you drive to work and the ecosystem, the animals that are within them. It's a way of honoring things not as scenery, but each as their own people, supporting other people. So relationship means an act of relating, which is an act of connecting. And for us to connect, we have to be receptive. There's an exchange in connecting. There is something you are offering and contributing, and then there's this ability for you to receive what is being offered. So in that, it's a way of honoring, having respect, of being open. What we see in a colonized mind is two specific mindsets that keeps us divided, keeps us alone, keeps us disconnected. And this is the transactional and adversarial mindset. This is the colonized mind. So instead of asking, what can I contribute and gift? We're asking, well, what am I going to get from this? What value is in it for me? I consider in your life right now, 
what relationships you might have that are transactional. Who in your life may have a relationship with you because of what they get from you? What relationship do you have with others because of what you get from them? And so you're asking or they're asking, what am I going to get from this? Rather than like, how do I contribute? How do I nourish relationship? Consider how we do our grocery shopping. Instead of collecting your vegetables, meats, and breads and giving thanks, giving a prayer for these their seed mothers and fathers and those who tended them and nourished them and so on, we put them in our basket, we pay for them, put them in our cupboards without thought. Few people know from which lands and people their food come from. So there's no connection. There's no story to connect us to place and bring us back into a sense of belonging. How many give thanks to the water each time it comes out of their faucet or showers honoring the ancestry of water? It is said we have the same water on the planet as we did 500 million years ago. And that means the water in your body could have one point been the water in a plant the snow on a mountaintop, in an elk, part of the ocean, part of some great ancestor. So we see there is a sense of connection and honoring that which from which everything comes and that from which everything is now going. Honoring our place within the timeline of this greater web that is a cycle of expanding and contracting. And so we honor we are part of a much greater rhythm. Another key colonized mindset is that of the adversarial mindset where we feel we need to conquer things rather than nourish things into being. We have an adversarial mindset with our bodies trying to manipulate them to be the form and the function we want them to be rather than perhaps honoring their age or their function or their natural inclination of nature being expressed through them. We have an adversarial mindset with our careers of what we want to achieve of our schooling, many have adversarial mindsets with the relationships they're in. We can see how a modern world approaches life as an adversary, life as an adversary, rather than the indigenous way, which is to approach life as a respected teacher that is stewarding us on our unique earthwalk. When we adopt an indigenous or earth psychology, right, we drop the transactional mindset by asking. How can I contribute, whether it's a prayer of gratitude or a listening ear to a friend or what have you? See, it's a mindset of gifting and saying, how do I nourish relationship? We adopt an earth psychology by asking, how can I cultivate relationship and give thanks? Now, when we adopt a mindset of relationship, of humility and gratitude, we naturally become more receptive to this greater otherness we are part of. We become more receptive to nature happening all around us. Whether you live in the woods or in an urban environment or suburbia, you are always surrounded by nature. Nature is never not happening. And so we attune ourselves to nature where we are and we be receptive to experience nature, to be aware of the nature that we are in and hence Walk as part of it instead of it merely being scenery. When we go to a park, we honor the trees, the plants, the waters, and grasses as their own village. 
We acknowledge we're entering their village of ancestral people who are yet still intact with the earth's dreaming. And you can see this is why people are drawn to parks and natural areas. When we need to grieve, when we feel disconnected, we are all drawn back to nature. We need this connection. What we're exploring in this podcast is how us two-legged may restore our memory and adopt an earth psychology that helps us remember ourselves home into a greater belonging that we are already a part of. All of nature is excitedly waiting for our return. What we've explored is how to seek what the indigenous seek and that this is relationship. Relationship with what sustains us. Relationship with all of life that is around us. It's being in relationship with the rest of creation. And we do so by honoring, being humble and receptive to receive to give, to be part of this greater otherness happening all around us rather than merely observers. If we begin to adopt these mindsets, we will experience a profound shift of having a deep sense of belonging, connection. And if we don't do this as an individual and as a world, we'll continue to feel at odds with life, never searching for what is already yours belonging thank you for joining me in episode two of becoming earthwise i'd love to hear your reflections or any questions that this dialogue may have stirred within you feel free to email me at learning at tree of i give thanks